0: Well, it is February, and even the most festive among us should have taken down our Christmas trees by now, right? You've got your Christmas tree down, maybe, maybe you got your Christmas tree down. Uh, we took ours down on January 6th, which is Epiphany, traditionally that's the day you're supposed to take your Christmas decorations down, and we did that, I held out till Epiphany just to make it right, we didn't have much of a ceremony of course, it just Getting the boxes out, putting the tree away, putting all the decorations away. There's one thing that happens almost every year. Sometimes it happens when we're setting the tree up. Sometimes it happens when we're taking the tree down. It's not so much a ceremony, but it is an annual occurrence. Somebody will find an ornament in the box and they'll look at the ornament and they'll say these words. I forgot we had this. I mean, you're only seeing it once a year, right? And so every year, somebody will pull an ornament out and go, I I forgot we had this. Got a little snowman riding a shovel. I I forgot we had this. This year, it was a little crystal nativity. I forgot we had this. But you're only seeing the things once a year, so it shouldn't surprise you that, that you forget that you had those. We trot these things out just for Christmas. I forgot we had this. Maybe maybe it even applies to some verses in the bible that we only pull out around christmas maybe it's maybe it's isaiah and his promise of uh, of, uh, of the birth of a child unto us a child is born unto us a son is given during the rest of the year i, I forgot we had this or maybe it's in the little book of micah. It's there in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that Matthew quotes for us, the birthplace of Jesus, but you, O, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you who are too little, too small to be among the tribes of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who will be ruler of all Israel, whose whose origins are from old, from ancient times. We pull that out every Christmas and we sing about it. We sing, oh, little town of Bethlehem because Micah tells us about that spot because that's where Jesus was born. But maybe in the middle of the summer, you're flipping through your Bible and you accidentally land on that page and you look at it and you think, I forgot we had this. forgot we had this verse here. What if this little book from this minor prophet, someone we turn to just... Once a year around Christmas. What if what if he's got a message for us today, though? Not just for the season, but a message for today, for our future, a message about who God wants us to be. And I believe he does. And so we're going to spend the next several weeks here in the Prophet. Micah. We're going to be hearing his voice, hearing God's call for us and finding in these very few pages, not just a message, but a a savior. We're going to find Jesus in these pages. He's there on just about every one of them. The Jesus that we know, the Jesus that we love, the Jesus who calls us to faithfulness. If you're using one of those blue Bibles in front of you, you'll find Micah on page 776. That's where he starts page 776. If you've got your your phone with you, if you've got the Bible app on your phone, you can pull that up and you can find the notes today and all the Scriptures that I will be referring to today. But in those Bibles in front of you, it's page 776. If you get to Jonah, you're almost there. Just go a little further. If you get to Nahum, why on earth are you reading Nahum? Uh, Back up. (laughs) Just one. And you'll find Micah. That's where he lives in your Bible that doesn't tell us much about Micah himself though and if we're going to spend the next month or two with Micah we really need to understand who this guy is what he's all about where he lived and what was happening in his day and so if we're going to spend a few weeks with him we need to ask some questions about him and first and foremost we just need to ask the question who who is Micah you hardly ever hear Micah, you might even forget that he's back there. He's what we call a minor prophet. When you think of prophets in the Bible, you think of the big ones. You think of the big four. You think of of Isaiah. You think of Jeremiah. You think of Ezekiel. You You think of Daniel. A few years ago, I felt inspired to preach from Isaiah. That's a big book. Isaiah is at 66 chapters in that book. It's, it's a chapter like for every book of the Bible. There's, there's a, it's, it's a huge book. And I thought, well, you know, I, I could preach through a whole year, a whole year I could spend in Isaiah. And I started reading and researching and studying Isaiah and I was getting nothing. Yeah, if my friend Gary, Gary Psalm and I, Gary and I went to college together. We were in each other's weddings and and uh, he preaches up north. And so we got together and had a two day little retreat where we studied and we prayed and we <laughs> we ate and we did all of those things. And we worked through the, the book of Isaiah and I came away with nothing. And so I took a class at Lincoln took a class on Isaiah. I read so many books about Isaiah. I wrote papers about Isaiah. I outlined it. I got to Isaiah's key message. I got to all the things I studied, the historical context, and all the other things about Isaiah. And nothing. I came away thinking, "I, I don't think I can preach this book. I kept on coming away with the idea that Isaiah, I have bitten off way too much. This book is too big for me last year for christmas trish got me a a bible it was a new translation of the bible and so i was making my way through the year or through through that bible and i stumbled across the little book of of micah now the bible i was reading the translator he had given background information on each book what the book was about who the author was when he wrote it why he wrote it and all of that stuff. All of that information you can get in the very first book, or the very first verse of Micah, by the way, if you go to Micah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. That's clear, right? What you understand as you kind of study the historical details is that Micah is preaching at the same time as Isaiah. And a lot of times their messages overlap. One of them borrows from the other a few times. But, but whereas Isaiah is in the big city, Isaiah is in Jerusalem, Micah is in this little town of Moresheth about 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem far from the city 20 miles is far but but it's still close enough that the things that were happening in Jerusalem they would affect the people living in Morasheth the decisions that the leaders made in Jerusalem and the failings of the leaders in Jerusalem the conflicts in Jerusalem those were all felt <coughs> excuse me those were all felt in Morasheth Morasheth, Morisheth is a small town. It's barely a fork in the road. Morasheth is a community. Well, it's a community of farmers. It's an agricultural community. Does it sound a little familiar? A little town, little fork in the road, filled with farmers. These were not the decision makers. These were not the kings and the priests, like the ones that Isaiah was preaching to. These were people, though, who were subject to the decisions of the kings and the rulers and the priests. And when the kings failed, it was felt in Moresheth. When the priests failed to keep the covenant, that was felt in Moresheth. Moresheth suffered for it. And so Micah preaches to that community, that little farming town of Moresheth, And today, we hear His message. A few years ago, I was having coffee with our friend Dave Butts who preached here about 40 years ago. And Dave and I were talking about preaching and different things that we were preaching. I think, I don't know, he was probably preaching about prayer at the time. Uh, But we were talking about preaching and I shared with Dave that I had wanted to preach from Isaiah. But I said, the more I study it, the more I realize how I don't know this book. I don't know how to preach it. I don't know how I would divide it. What would I do? And and Dave laughed. And he said, you know, when I was in Kansas, I really wanted to preach Isaiah. And he said, I started studying Isaiah. I spent a year studying Isaiah and I got nothing. I wrote notes. I made plans, but nothing came together. And... In only the way that Dave Butts could say, Dave said, I felt the Lord tell me this book is too big for you. Forty years ago, the preacher here said, God said, Isaiah is too big for you. Just a couple years ago, I felt God telling me this book is too big for you. I think we need to hear someone who knows a community of our size, who knows our struggles, who knows our needs, who knows our pains. I think we need to hear Micah. I think Micah can speak to us. I think he, I think we can hear our own hurts in Micah. I think we can hear our own hopes in his pages. So that's who Micah is. Now we also need to ask another question. And that question is, why, why does Micah matter? Why does his message matter for us? You get to the end of your Old Testament. There in the back of your Old Testament, you have a whole section of the prophets. The prophets are divided up into two different categories. There are the major prophets, which again is Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then we have the minor prophets, and there are 12 minor prophets. What makes the difference? This is complicated, so make sure you're paying attention. This is the kind of information you get with a well-rounded Bible college uh education this is this kind of stuff you will only get from a very good bible college education so let me tell you what makes the difference why are some of the major prophets and then why are some of the minor prophets because the minor prophets are shorter da! <laughs> that's it the minor prophets are shorter one other distinction the major prophets messages were more global they spoke to the whole nation. They also spoke many times to other nations. Minor prophets very often addressed just one group of people. Jonah goes to Nineveh, just one little community, one one big city. Excuse me. Uh, and Micah is speaking in the little town of Morasheth. So, what's happening? We're in in Micah's world. To whom is he speaking and why does it matter to us? Micah himself sums up his message for us. He tells us what this is all about in chapter 3, verse 8. Micah writes, but as for me, okay, he's talking about himself, but as for me. I am filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. You notice Micah begins that verse with a but. He starts with a but. His message stands in contrast with other messages that were being told in their world. Other prophets in their world. There were other prophets who were leading people astray. What were those prophets preaching? Chapter 3, back up to verse 5. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets, the prophets who lead my people astray, prophets who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him will put nothing in their mouths. These other prophets, they looked the part. They sounded the part they were saying things that sounded good as long as you were paying them, as long as you were feeding them, but they were leading people astray. They were preaching peace and safety, all is well, all is good. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But Micah, Micah confronts their failings, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, Micah calls the people back to God. Micah's message matters. Micah's message matters because there are hollow messages out there. Micah's message matters because he calls us back to God. He calls us to the heart of God. Morisheth is just this, it's just this fork in the road. You know, you come to Kansas and what are your options? Well, we can take 49 and go north. And maybe we'll end up in Champaign eventually. We'll go. We'll go north. We we can take 16 and we can head east and we'll end up in Paris. We can take 16 and we can go. We can go west and we'll end up in Charleston or Mattoon. We could take that little jog out there just past Bob and Marietta's house and we can make our way on 49 on down south into Southern Illinois. We can do all of those things, but we're here at this fork in the road. And what I, what, what Micah is warning the people of Moresheth about is that a fork in the road is a place where you have to make a decision. Where are you going to go from here? Where are you going to go once you hear the message of God? Where are you going to go? Because it is very easy to just get stuck in one place. And for some of us, we'd have to admit we are stuck. We are stuck in our pain. We got hurt years ago by someone or something, and we get stuck in that pain. Maybe we're stuck in our grief. Maybe we're stuck in, in our lack. What we aren't and who we aren't and what we don't have. And we feel that need that we need to move forward in, into who God has called us to be. We need to be, move forward in our faith. We need to move forward in our commitment. Micah's message is that God meets us at that fork in the road and He leads us on towards him, he leads us into our hope. Micah has a lot to say about grief, by the way. Micah has an awful lot to say about grief. And he points us to hope. And ultimately, Micah points us to Jesus, not just his hometown, not just oh, little town of Bethlehem, but he shows us what, what the reign of Jesus Christ in our lives looks like. What does it look like to have Jesus as your Lord? What does it look like to have him as your savior? Chapter 4 of Micah. <laughs> Micah borrows from Isaiah, his big city, his big city contemporary, his big city counterpart, and he promises that a day is coming when God will rule in a new way, and he calls us to look to that day. Micah chapter 4 beginning in verse 3 says, He, God, shall judge between many people. He shall decide for strong nations far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Does that sound familiar? You go to that big building in New York City and it'll tell you that verse comes out of the book of Isaiah, but it's here also in Micah. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the people walk, each in the name of its God, but we walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever what he promises is exactly what you prayed for earlier when you prayed thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven he promises that his kingdom is coming with his standard of love micah's message matters because despite the turmoil in our world and despite the problems in our own lives God calls us again and again to hope. So we know who Micah is. We know why his message matters. There's just one other question, and that is what? <laughs> what do we do with it? What do we do with Micah's message? Micah's prophecies are, are poetic. They, uh, they have a beat. You can dance to them. You know, they're, they're poetic. He, like a lot of the other prophets, Micah writes in poetry. We need to hear them as poetic. Now, I say poetic, and you're used to words rhyming in a poem. You're used to, to words that sound a lot alike. Well, this is Hebrew, and Hebrew is a little different. In Hebrew, it's not so much that the words rhyme as the themes rhyme. The ideas rhyme in a Hebrew poem, but they rhyme. They're meant to be memorable. Now, your Bible tells you there are seven chapters to Micah. But if you were to ask Micah, Micah would say there are three chapters in his little book. There are three different themes. There are three different messages. Micah outlines three distinct messages. Messages to God's people. Messages to the rulers of God's people. And also, messages to the land where God's people lived. And he divides those messages with a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is Shema. It is a word that means hear. It means listen up. The Hebrew word shema. It means to listen up. You hear it there in the very second verse of Micah, Micah chapter one, verse two. Hear you people, all of you. Shema, you people. Listen up, you people, all of you. Pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from His holy temple. You know, in Hebrew, that word shema, that word for listen, it's about more than just hearing. When you see the word listen or hear in Hebrew, shema, it doesn't just mean listen to me, it means obey me here is a call to obey now you parents understand this right if you ask your kids to do something and they don't do it you say you didn't hear me you weren't listening I heard you well you didn't obey me you didn't do what I told you to do I say parents and kids but um wives you you know I'm talking about right Right. Wives, understand this. You know, Sometimes we don't hear. Sometimes we don't do the things that you've asked us to do. You weren't listening. Because if you were listening, you would have done it. In Hebrew, listening is about obeying God. It's about keeping His covenant. When we hear His Word, the only proper response is to obey Him chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, And I said, hear you, heads of Jacob, Shema, listen up, heads of Jacob, and rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice, you who hate the good and love evil, you who tear the skin from My people and their flesh from off their bones? Does it sound like the leaders of Israel were obeying God? No. No, they weren't. They were abusing their authority. They were devouring what little the people had. They were feeding themselves on the hard work of people in little places like Morasheth and other little places. And Micah's message was to call them back, to call them to listen up. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Hear Shema, listen up. To what the Lord says, Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against His people, and He will contend with Israel. He's saying again and again, God has told you who He is. God has shown you what He wants. God has shown you what He expects of you. And you do not listen. And so Micah, in one of his best-known verses, tells them again, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. I forgot we had that. There's a little verse in the back of Micah that tells us exactly what God expects of His people. He has told you again and again exactly what God expects of you, and we don't listen to Him. We pervert His words so that we can get what we want, so that we can exploit those who are hurting. It's not enough that we hear the Word of God. What do we do with the Word of God? Micah calls us again and again back to the Word, back to God, back to His heart, and he shows us that the only proper response to hearing the Word of God is obeying the heart of God. The only proper response to hearing the Word of God is obedience to the heart of God. And so with everyone's attention on Jerusalem, everyone's attention on the temple, and everyone's attention on the the palace, everyone's attention on the king and the prophets and the rulers and the priests, little Micah down in little Moresheth, 20 miles out in the country, little farming town. Remaining faithful to the heart of God and calling his people in his little community back again and again. Hear the word of God. Shema. Listen up. Hear God's heart. Hear God's heart break. Hear this simple call to faithfulness, to justice, to, to kindness. Hear what it means to be obedient to the heart of God. There are a lot of big messages in our world. There's a lot of big churches in our world. Big churches in big cities. You can get on your internet. You can get on the TV. You can can listen to the podcast. You can watch them on YouTube. You, You can hear those big messages and see what they're saying. 40 years ago, though, 40 years ago, God told your preacher, Dave, that message is too big for you. And now today 40 years later God seems to have spoken to your preacher and said that message is way too big for you. And I wonder I wonder if he's not saying that's too big for us. And he's leading us to something smaller. I think Micah has something to say to us. I think it's not just not just his message but he speaks into our fork in the road. Not just because it's a message of a small town preacher and it somehow resonates with us, but because it is the heart that God still seeks for us. A heart that calls us back to him. I want to encourage you over the next few weeks, start reading Micah. Just Spend a little time in Micah. It won't take any time at all just to read all seven of those chapters. Spend a little time in Micah. I will tell you, it's not just that it's short, but it is confusing. And so take your time with it. Just listen to him. Maybe read it aloud and try to hear what it is that Micah is saying to his people. If you are inclined to put marks in your Bible to mark up your Bible, I think a great thing to, be, to do would be to circle or highlight or somehow mark every time you hear that word here. Listen. Shema. And then stop and ask yourself, what is it that, that Micah, what is it that God wants us to hear in this? Read through Micah and ask as you read, who, where is the conflict in this book? Who are the oppressors? in this book, and who are the oppressed and how are they being oppressed? And look for the heart of God. Look for Jesus. You'll find Him on every page. He will meet you there. And He will meet you here. In a few moments, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to sing a song that calls us to seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. But first, I want us to sing a different song. It's a song that's based out of that one, that one little verse in Micah that we seem to know. Not the little town of Bethlehem, the other one. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, to love kindness. The, the word means loving kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. We're going to pray. We will sing that. We will sing Seek Ye First, and we'll approach the table together. Let's pray. And Father, You've never left us without a without a voice. You've never left us guessing. You've never left us guessing about who You are or what it is that You require of us. We thank You for the faithfulness of the prophets. Thank You for the big ones, the, the ones like Isaiah that we go to that we find comfort and hope and conviction and strength. I thank you for the little ones like Micah who in their day were just doing their best to remain faithful and to remind people in small places that they were not forgotten, that they were loved, and that God had hope for them as well. Lord, I pray over the coming weeks as we make our way through Micah, I pray that we're able to hear your voice. Lord, I I know there's an awful lot to take in in this little book, but just show us where you show up. Show us your son and show us the hope that we can live with today, the hope that we can share with those who are hurting, with those who desperately need our kindness and need our mercy. Thank you that when we needed your mercy, you gave us your son. We come today to share this bread, to share this cup, to remind ourselves of the price that was that was given, and to remind ourselves of your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.